Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. And again, we're glad that you're here for birthday Sunday. What an amazing Sunday to be here. I know that's a bit cool, crisp fall air out there, right? Can I be honest with you? I love it. I love it. I know it's a little cold for some people, but I'm a huge fan. And so it's also a great morning because uh, the Browns fans, we don't have to worry about them losing today. They're on a bye, so we don't have to worry about that. It's just a great day to celebrate so many things. But two years ago, on October 10th, 2021, uh, we, we gathered here and had church after months of planning and preparing and praying all these things, and today we have stories to celebrate what God has done. He's been so faithful to us, hasn't he? We've seen people raise their hand, accept Jesus for the first time. We, we've baptized people in, in a public faith testimony of what God has done. We've seen healings. We've seen miracles. And we know it's just the beginning, that God has so much more planned for this church. And if you're new to the church, we, we welcome you. We've made room physically with two services, but we've also made room for you in our hearts and, and spiritually being prepared for you to join us. And so today is an amazing day. We, we've gone through uh, the past few weeks, we did a series called At the Movies. Did anybody enjoy At the Movies? Did you have a good time? We get to watch clips from movies and look at the Word of God together. And we specifically were looking at movies about encouragement, uh, community, the need for one another. And I would encourage you, church exists not because you can't get to heaven on your own, you can't talk to God on your own, but you are built up, you are encouraged, you're motivated and inspired by the people of God coming together. It is so much better when we get to sing together as a church than I get to sing in my living room by myself. And Jesus modeled the need for community in his life. You know that? He modeled it with 12 disciples every single day. I'm pretty sure he didn't have much of a day rest from them outside of when he would go 40 days in the wilderness to pray. He would get alone, but that was the exception. That was not the norm for him. He lived life in community, and I encourage you to do the same. We have tons of incredible small groups for you to get involved. In fact, I think we have two great ones going on tonight, if I'm not mistaken. We had some happen this past weekend and week, and there's a, a younger young adults one coming this next week, right? And so a lot of things, check that out to get involved. But today we're talking about, uh, we're moving on to kind of a one-off sermon, and we're looking at back at what God has done, and we're looking to the future with what God has next. And the message is entitled, Writing Our Story. We know that God is writing our story. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is writing your story. All right, and now turn to the other neighbor that you ignored and, and you forgot about and neglected and, and say, this is awkward, but you, God is also writing your story. Look across the way if you have to, the aisle. God is writing your story. You know, the, the concept, that art of writing an, a story, I, I'm jealous of people who can write a good story. You know, when you read a, a great book, you watch an incredible story take place in a film, uh, it's an incredible talent to have that. But we know that writing a story takes time. If you've ever tried to write one, you don't sit down one day and complete it in one day. It takes weeks. It takes months. It can take years. I, I looked on online some of the stories of, of, of writers, authors who have written stories. You know, Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. It took her a full year to write that book. 
I began to look at other authors, uh, J.K. Rowling, uh, Harry Potter. It took her six years just to write the first book. Obviously, that turned into multiple books after that. Uh, I looked at J.R.R. Tolkien, one of my favorite authors with Lord of the Rings. It took him 12 years to write those three books. That doesn't include that he had, he had breaks in between the books. He took time to, to take a break. And the reason he kept going is because his son wanted to continue to hear the story. And so he would, he would send each chapter as he was writing it to his son who was serving in the Royal Air Force. So writing a story, it, it takes time. Great stories take time to write. And I want you to know that when you choose to accept Jesus as your Savior, you have the best author you could possibly have of your story. You know that you have the most creative, powerful, inspiring author of your faith story. And so with this concept today of writing our story, I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read those two verses together. This is a great time to remind you, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Hebrews 12. If you uh, have the Church Center app, you can go on there. We've got sermon notes for you. Or if you use the YouVersion Bible app, you can find our church and our notes there. Anyways, let's look together at Hebrews chapter 12. Let's read those two verses together. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now let's stop there. I, I want today I want you to remember that Jesus is the author of your faith story. He is, it says, the founder, the author. It all originated with God. And our story is not possible to, to connect back to the Father without Jesus. We know that, right? The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. God is writing our story and in order for us to think about this, actually, before we move forward and look more in depth at Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, I actually want to go back to the chapter before this. You see, chapters and verses in the Bible, that, that, those were not created when the Bible was written. Those were put in later at a later time. And I, I'm thankful for chapters and verses. It would be very difficult to preach to you and explain where I'm preaching from without it. But sometimes a difference of a chapter can mean the thought continues from the last chapter. And other times, there's, there's a lot of time that has elapsed since that last chapter. This is one of those times where it's a continuation of the thought. You want to know how I know this? Because the first verse of Hebrews 12 says, therefore. We always have to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? If that makes sense. You have to know why is that there? What is it linking together? And so I want to look for a minute at Hebrews 11, which if you know, it's, it's the hall of faith chapter in the Bible. It tells all these stories. It starts with the definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what is not yet seen. And then it tells story after story of men and women in the Old Testament who, by faith, lived an incredible life for God. If you remember, it says, by faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. And at the very end of the chapter, 
it shares how we can't talk about every single character in the Bible. It talks about what happened to them. I hope it's okay on birthday Sunday if we look at a little bit extra content in the scripture. Can we read a little bit more of the Bible today on birthday Sunday? Good. If you said no, I was going to do it anyways, but here we go. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 32. We'll take this little, little pockets at a time here. It says this in verse 32. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Let me pause there for a second. What an incredible list of all these things God has done, right? He's saved people. He's protected people. He's watched over them. Look at what else God did for them. Verse 35 continues. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Did anyone see that coming? That's quite the left turn from where we started. We start by saying how God rescued people and saved people And then it went to as explicitly as sawed in half. Not the typical birthday sort of message we were hoping for. And these are the times when we go through difficulties in life. We think, is God creating this story right here? Did he make that happen? Did he do that to me? Why would he do that to me? And we have to remind ourselves that we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world where God has given us the ability to have free will. Unfortunately, sometimes people choose in that free will to rebel against God, do hateful, terrible things. And to make matters even worse, this is what it says next about the people in the Old Testament. Read verse 39. It says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. All these people, amazing men and women for God, approval of God in their faith, and they didn't get to see the promise. The promise he's talking about is they didn't even get to see Jesus, the prophesied Messiah who would save them. They had prophesied about him, they had spoke of him, but they never saw him. Can you imagine that? Like, we didn't get to see Jesus, but we have the gospel to read anytime we want to encourage us in the faith. These people didn't have that, but this is what they did have. The last verse of of chapter 11 says this, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. I want to remind you that God is building something better for you. He built something better for those Old Testament men and women. He built on them the faith that would start our faith and grow and then one day know the name of Jesus. Sometimes a story doesn't happen 
like we think we do, but God is providing something better than what we had. I thought a perfect analogy to explain that was how we started the church, a story of how we began, you know, early, uh, actually probably about mid-2020, God began to stir in our heart a desire to, to plant a church, to do something new. And we announced in the first week of January 2021, we'd be planning a church in Marysville. Obviously, a lot of things have to take place to plant a church, right? So we began to have prayer meetings. We want to start with prayer, amen? Prayer meetings. We had interest meetings. We had planning meetings. All these types of meetings. And in the middle of that, we're also like, yeah, we're going to find a building at some point. It's going to happen. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to stress it. And the main place, what what I thought God had planned for us, what I maybe uh, put my will instead of God's, was that we will rent out the Avalon Theater down the street. If you didn't know, they were at the time renovating it. I was like, it's perfect. People will know where that is. It's right downtown. It'll be cheap rent. We'll just do a setup teardown on Sunday mornings, and, and then we'll be out of there. God did not have that in mind. I thought it was a great idea. Avalon Theater really didn't think it was all that great of an idea. And so we're like, okay, well, we're not discouraged. We'll keep going. We began to look at other places. We looked at a, a, at a place on 4th Street, and we're like, this will work, but, you know, the parking lot was kind of iffy. It was a little, um, not sure that would hold enough people. They began to want more for the space without doing anything to prepare the place for us. So we kind of stepped back and said, okay, maybe God is not calling us to that. And then we looked at, I mean, every single building, if it had a for sale sign, it had a for lease sign, I was calling it and getting shut down. And I remember on a Wednesday afternoon, specifically in my car, hanging up the phone, saying out loud in my car to no one but God, God, do you want us to come to Marysville? Because it feels like right now you don't want us here. And so if I misheard you, please point this out to me. I am sorry. I will repent whatever I need to do. What is going on? What is the plan? And so remember, we announced in January, we move forward in June. We don't have a building. Wednesday evening in June, all of a sudden I get a Facebook message. Sometimes those Facebook messages can be a little, little dicey, right? Sometimes they're spam. They're, they're not for us. But this was a message from Rick Patterson. He's way in the back over there. He, t- he messaged me and said, there, there's a building, the gun store has a building, there's been churches in there before, you may want to check it out. And I'm so desperate at this point, I'm like, sure, we'll have church in a gun store, I don't care, whatever happens, we'll start wherever. The next day, I actually went back to look at my calendar, how God worked this out together. The next day, we actually had lunch with Scott and Tara Watkins. <laughs> it was not planned, there was not really a connection beyond that, just talking about the church plant and, and joining the next day after that Friday, in the pouring rain, I circled this building. I went into the gun store. I went back to the warehouse, finally got a number, got a hold of somebody. Later that day, I walked in here for the first time. And two or three weeks later, do we have the picture? Two or three weeks later, we had the picture, launch team. We do not have a picture. There's pictures out there in the foyer of a launch team that started weeks later. And we began to get this building ready for what God had planned. It's amazing when God has something better prepared for you. I wanted a theater location. I wanted to set up and tear down. Can can anyone praise God we're not doing that? (laughs) That God has something better? Yeah, yeah. I said, we can make it work with bad parking lot. We'll figure that out. God said, no, I got something better planned. I I said, even if we just have, you know, one kid's room or maybe two, we'll, we'll make it work. God said, what about three? God has always had something better planned for you and me. He is writing our story. And if we'll hold on to faith... 
and continue to believe even when things get difficult and challenging, he will prove himself time and time again. God has something better for you and me. He had something better for the great men and women of the Old Testament. It was a covenant. It was a new covenant with the Son of God. And now, now with that information, we can move back into Hebrews chapter 12. I've got three points. We're going to go fast. Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, we are surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses. We're surrounded by those Old Testament men and women people that started before us. And here are three points that we need to be aware of as God is writing our story. Read that passage from verse 1 again. It says the first thing for us to do is lay, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Number, number one, we have to lay down sin. If we want to live out this life for God, if we want to live out our faith story, we have to be willing to lay down some things. And I love how the author of Hebrews explains the power and the challenges of sin. He says that sin is a weight and it, and it clings closely to you. Have you ever tried to run a race, run a race with a weight attached to you? Maybe some of you psycho CrossFit people do that to like build up your endurance, you crazy people. What are you thinking? It's hard enough to run as it is. Why would you add weight? And you may want to do that when you're actually running a race in the physical. But friends, if you're running a race in the spiritual, you do not want any weight attached to you as you're running towards Jesus. Lay aside the weight of sin. Sin wants to hold you down. It doesn't want you to go forward in your future. It wants to keep you stuck in the terrible things, in the doubt, in the shame. Romans 6.23, it says, the wages of sin is death. That, that's present tense. Of course, we know it's leading to an eternal death. But right now, when we sin, we are experiencing physical, emotional, mental, spiritual death right now. It hurts us and damages us right here and now. But I'm thankful that while the wages of sin is death, there is a free gift of God, the eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you, meant, when you say that Christ Jesus, he is my Lord, you are freeing yourself of the power of sin. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. James 5.16, it tells us that if we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, you will be healed. There's power when we confess our sins and we lay down the sin. The second point today, number two, is we have to then run with endurance. Hebrews 12, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I know, I know. I don't know why God uses an analogy for us living our life for Christ as running. And it says to run with endurance, meaning it's not a quick sprint and it's over. It's a marathon, friends. It's a marathon. And we have to be ready to live that life. We have to be ready to run means being a consistent Christian every day. Tell you what, I, I love uh, on Thanksgiving, if you didn't know, we, we play a turkey bowl out there on the front lawn on Thanksgiving morning. And we get to go out there and pretend like we're these great NFL football players that we're not. <laughs> and then we, you know, we pull something or we hurt something. And in football, you know, you can 
do a play 10, 15 seconds, and then you get a breather, right? You get a second to catch your breath, and then the next play. But even with that, it can start to wear on you after a little bit of time. And so after like a couple of plays, I'm like, sub, sub, I come out, switch me, switch me. I'm, I'm exhausted. Why? Because I am not running a race every single day. My body is not equipped to play football like it should be. I need to build up my endurance. Friends, we have to build up our endurance in the faith. The life of a Christian is not coming to church on Sunday and living the rest of your days the way that you want to. It's consistently, daily choosing to have endurance and live for God. Jesus said it this way in Luke 21, 16. He was talking to his disciples. He said, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my namesake. But not a hair of your head will perish by your endurance. You will gain your lives. We need endurance because life is going to be challenging. There are obstacles to face. You need endurance. Run with endurance because the race set before us that God has written is a story that you want to see full, fully, fill, completely filled out. You, you don't want to get distracted by something that is temporary here in this life. When you face temptation, keep praying. When you face depression, don't stop reading your Bible. When you get lonely, don't stop coming to church. Continue to press on. Paul says it this way in Philippians 3. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. I'm straining towards what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in God, in Christ Jesus. Forget what is behind you. Press on to what is ahead of you. Notice it says to look upward. Don't look down at your feet. Don't even look straight ahead. Look upward. That's our last point. Worship team, you can come as we close this out. Number three, and this is important. We want to lay down our sin. We want to run the race with endurance. And we need to look to Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says, looking to Jesus. After it says lay down the sin, after it says endurance, it says look to Jesus, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your eyes Keep your focus, keep your attention on Jesus. Don't get distracted by what the world has. That's why there's songs that say, give me Jesus. You can have all of this world, but give me Jesus. That's why there are songs that say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Come on, sing it out. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. 
There's something about when we look to Jesus, when we keep our eyes focused on him as the prize, that then our worries and our fears, they dim in comparison to his greatness. The fear and the anxiety that we, we have chosen to look at, if we look to Jesus and remember that he is writing our story, he began this, he's the author, and he's going to finish the story. We can trust in him. Friends, your story is not written, and your faith is not perfect. And all that means is that he's still writing your story. And he will continue to write your story until it ends. And I hope you know this, but we have the best end of the story that we could possibly imagine, that we get to see our Savior one day face to face and live in eternity with Jesus Christ. There's no better end of the story. There's no plot twist. It's what we expect because we've seen it in the word of God. He is the author and he's the finisher of your story. Would you stand with me as we close today? I invite you. We're just gonna sing for just another minute here before we close. If you're here and you feel like the, my life has been going this way and that way, I don't feel close to God, guess what? If you hold on to your faith in God, he's not done writing your story. And I'm asking you today, would you lay down that weight, that sin that ensnares you and tries to trap you? Would you run with endurance? I mean, don't just make Christian life a Sunday thing or a Wednesday night thing or a small group thing. Make it a daily commitment. And stop looking at the fears and the problems of this world. Look to Jesus because he's not done yet. He's not done yet. Can we sing that together? Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.